all freedom, all joy, all hope, all mercy. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the hope of our salvation. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Hallelujah is right. Amen. Well, we have a lot of visitors in the house today. I want to say welcome to those of you who are visiting in town for the holidays I take. Um, it's great to see some new faces and meet some new family today. So um, it's no ordinary day when we gather together as friends, as brothers and sisters to worship the Lord. Amen. And God is God, whether we worship him or not. Jesus is Savior, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Whether we give him the glory or we run away, <laughs> he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love toward us is supernatural, and it gives us an opportunity to give supernatural love away to others. His generosity is amazing. It gives us an opportunity to give away generosity. So we worship him today because he is God, because he is worthy, and we we are thankful. Amen. I want to take a brief moment to say thank you. I have a lot of people to thank right now. Thank you, Hope family, for welcoming my family here to Hope Bible Church. That's an incredible gift of God. Thank you to the youth, the young adults, the college folks that I get to spend time with every week, get to hang out with, teach the Bible to, and just have a good time. Thank you to our worship and production team who I get to serve alongside most Sundays. Sometimes I'm up here, sometimes I'm down here getting to serve with them, but that is a joy. And thank you to our elders here at Hope. I want to say thank you, Eric. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for praying and serving faithfully, often behind the scenes here at Hope. Thank you to each of your wives, Lisa, Robin, and Emily. And thank you, Pastor Bill and Pam. Thank you for investing in our friendship in our walk with the Lord. Just thankful. Thank you, guys. I want to thank my wife, Trina, who is here today, too, and our family. It's a joy to serve. There's so much to be thankful for. And I don't think it's any coincidence that on the heels of Thanksgiving, I get to share a few things that I'm thankful for. And I hope that it's causing you to maybe go, what am I thankful for? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But Thanksgiving is a wonderful reminder each year that we have so much to be thankful for, right? And as disciples of Jesus, I hope that we begin to learn. I hope that I begin to learn to be thankful, to be more thankful every day, throughout every day. So why don't we pray and give thanks? Father, again, we just direct our hearts toward you, our minds toward you. We worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We say Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for calling us friend. Thank you for having a plan and a purpose for our lives. We commit this time to you today as worship. We direct our attention toward you, and we ask that you'd receive all of the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Well, the title of today's sermon is Authentic Worship. And authentic worship is a result of knowing who God is. Say who God is. Who God is. And we could add to that what he has done. And we could add to that how he loves us. So authentic worship is a result of knowing 
who God is. And I want to share a quote. I don't know who said it, but I had it written down. I know it wasn't me. <laughs> so <laughs> this is one of my favorite quotes, though, about worship. It says, true worship is not confined to what we do in church or open praise, although these things are both good and we are told in the Bible to do them. True worship is the acknowledgement of God and all his power and glory in everything we do. The highest form of praise and worship is obedience to him and his word. To do this, we must know God. We cannot be ignorant of him. Worship is to glorify and exalt God, to show our loyalty and admiration to our Father. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Well, here at Hope, one of our Hope Bible Church distinctives is passionate worship with an emphasis on spiritual response. This is why we sing. This is why we pray. This is why we raise our voice and our heart in worship. And so my hope is that today we would leave a little bit differently than we walked in. That as we're driving away, that we just have not only a little more information, but any new information would lead to some heart transformation. Because when I read the Bible, that's what it's all about. The heart. Every issue tends to be a heart issue, right? My hope is that we would take another step toward not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of the spirit of our minds, as Paul writes in Ephesians 4.23. That's only possible by God's grace and mercy. Let's ask God that any new information would turn into transformation to become more like his son, Jesus. Amen. So authentic worship. Grab something to write with, maybe your phone. I want you to jot down this idea because I'm curious for you what comes to mind when you hear the words authentic worship. What picture comes to mind? Is there a certain Bible verse, maybe a, a first time you, you learned what worship was? Maybe a song or a hymn. Maybe you haven't considered what authentic worship is. Hopefully we'll answer a bit of that question today since the sermon title is Authentic Worship, right? <laughs> I'd like you to take a moment just to write that down. You can use the card in front of you. Jot down a couple things, and this will be for you to reflect on later today and maybe see if anything changes or maybe God drops another verse that's helpful. So today, as we look at authentic worship, we're going to read the story of Jesus cleansing the ten lepers and Luke 17. So go ahead, open up your Bibles to Luke 17, verse 11. If you don't have a Bible today, it's okay. We have black Bibles in the pews in front of you, and I wrote down the page number. It's 823. So you can just grab the black Bible in front of you, open to page 823, and we're going to read Luke 17 from verse 11. Let's read this passage together. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. <laughs> and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Can we say amen to that? Amen. 
So here in Luke 17, we see that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Why? He's heading to the cross to be crucified. And as he's heading to Jerusalem, he enters a village and bam, he's met by 10 lepers who keep their distance. But they lift up their voice and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Woo. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you thankful for God's mercy? We just celebrated Thanksgiving this last week. Did everyone celebrate that? <laughs> awesome, me too. We do this, tr- we have this little family tradition that we do. We go around and say one thing that we're thankful for. And we did this a few weeks ago when we had the young adults over for Friendsgiving. And uh, it's always that awkward moment where it becomes a little formal. And it's like, oh, I got to come up with something good. What, what can I say I'm thankful for? I don't want to say the generic stuff like friends, family, friends or family. <laughs> it can be a bit awkward, right? And I don't know about you, but if you've ever done this, it puts me on the spot. And sometimes I just can't think of anything unique to say. Have you ever been in that situation? It makes me laugh a little bit when I read this about the lepers because I wonder if they felt the same way when they ran into Jesus. Like all of a sudden there's Jesus. It says they lifted up their voice to say, Jesus. And I wonder if when they saw Jesus, they simply asked to have mercy. It's kind of a a generic catch-all maybe, right? Because they didn't ask for what they needed specifically. They simply asked for mercy. And it's a beautiful picture nonetheless, but together they asked for mercy. And we need mercy, amen? There's a hymn that I always think of, and I want to invite you to join me in singing it here. It says, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. There it is. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Merciful and mighty. Amen. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is sometimes confused with grace. They're different, though. Grace is giving someone favor that's not earned. So we're going to do a lot of that over the next couple of weeks with gift giving. And it's like a free gift that you didn't do anything to earn, right? But mercy is different. Mercy is actually withholding a punishment that is deserved. And all the kids said, amen. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> As parents, we, we get an opportunity to exercise mercy. Some of us today... <laughs> Right, amen. Uh, God's grace gives us gifts that we don't deserve, and God's mercy prevents us from receiving the punishment that we do deserve. And what did these 10 lepers deserve? Nothing, and they knew it. With leprosy, they simply deserved God's judgment. Their plight was to die and die alone and not give anyone this wretched disease while they were on their way to death. So they simply ask Jesus for mercy. And the lepers, they're in a desperate situation. Leprosy is a deadly disease. It still actually exists today, which surprised me. It's called Hansen's disease. And I'm not sure we're really familiar enough with leprosy to understand the situation here in Luke 17. I don't want to go into all the details, but there are some things that I think would be helpful to know for our context. So leprosy is an infection 
caused by slow-growing bacteria. It affects the nerves, the skin, the eyes, and other areas. Those with leprosy have muscle weakness or paralysis, especially in the extremities, the hands, the feet. It's a skin infection that takes over your whole body, including your nervous system. It's frightening. It even attacks your vocal cords. And the worst part of leprosy, though, is that it's a hopeless situation. First century, someone with leprosy, absolutely hopeless situation. Nearly everyone believed that leprosy was God's judgment on this person. So according to the law, they would have to walk around, and if anyone came near, they would say, unclean, unclean. Now, when people looked at the lepers, what did they think about them? I've, I've said these things to my kids. Oh, stay away from, from those guys. You don't want to end up like them. Aren't there people still in society that we say these sorts of things about? People passing by the lepers in this village all day would have looked at them like this disease was God's judgment. It wasn't like a sickness. This was actually God deciding that they needed to be punished. So by asking for mercy, these men recognized that they didn't deserve anything other than punishment and God's judgment. Can you imagine, can you picture in your mind what it would have been like to maybe stand in these shoes? Can't imagine having to walk around and on top of having something that was very visible, have to shout unclean, unclean. For the lepers in the first century, this was a hopeless situation. You were sure to die and you were sure to die alone. And some of us can actually maybe relate to some of what that feeling would be like with some of the isolation over the last couple years. We happen to know some a family very personally that, that wasn't able to say goodbye to a loved one because they were in isolation. But here's the point. Isn't that all of us prior to Christ? Yes, the leper is really a reflection of our life without Jesus. I like to say at least the leper can see they got a problem. Most of the time, we don't even see that we need God. We just think, we doing just fine. But I believe for us today, we may not deal with leprosy as in the first century, but sadly, we remain blind to the fact that we need God. And we need God. We need his grace. We need his mercy every day. And honestly, we are in as desperate a situation as these 10. And yet most of the time, we remain clueless. So these 10 lepers ask Jesus for mercy, and it inspires me. It simply inspires me because I want to be a mercy-filled husband. I want to be a mercy-filled father. I want to be a mercy-filled friend. We all need God's mercy. We can't be those things apart from God's mercy. But what does all of this have to do with authentic worship? And what can we learn from the ten, or what can we learn from the one? Well, there are four lessons that we learn from the leper about authentic worship. The first lesson we learn is that apart from Jesus, we are in desperate need of mercy. And to some degree, maybe you're like me and would testify, even with Jesus, I'm still in desperate need of mercy. Amen. So let's look at verse 11 again through 13. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now these lepers kept their distance 
But they were supposed to yell something else. They were supposed to yell, unclean, unclean. But they did lift their voice, but that's not what they said. What did they say? Jesus, master, have mercy on us. I just, I hear desperation in that call. Desperation. But I have a question for you. When was the last time that those words left your mouth? When was the last time that you asked God, have mercy on us? Remember, these lepers were in a desperate situation. We're no different than the leper. Don't believe me? Maybe you're saying, Dustin, I don't have a skin disease. It's very obvious. My skin's really healthy. It's nice. Arizona sunshine's been good to it. But the thing is, is we may not have it visible on the outside, but we all have it on the inside. We don't want to say amen to that, but we should. It's a good starting place. <laughs> Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It's right there. Mercy and grace. See, like the leper without Jesus, we're not just unclean. We're not just dirty. We're dead. Spiritually dead at that. What does a dead person do? In the, word, yeah, in the words of my cousin Tony, nothing. He's from the South. Anyway. <laughs> We're unclean as well. We deserve God's judgment as well. These guys knew it. All they could do was cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I think they knew who Jesus was. If you read on a few verses, Jesus is with his disciples. If you read back a few verses, there's Pharisees there. But I think they intentionally asked Jesus for mercy because they felt like this was God's judgment. And they knew the only person that could have mercy on them would be God, would be Jesus. And so they cry out in a loud voice. I like that they weren't ashamed to be loud about Jesus. Remember, these guys, they were convinced this was God's judgment. If we're no different than the leper, I want to encourage us to cry out to Jesus. If we truly understand that we're not any different, no hope apart from Jesus, dead in our sin, dying alone for eternity, then we should wake up every morning with an incredibly thankful spirit. Amen? This was me the other day. My wife's like, hey, I'm going to the meeting. I was like, oh, give me a hug. Oh. I've been studying this, and I'm like, God, I want to be more thankful. And I just woke up and jumped out of bed and gave her a hug. And she's like, are you okay? <laughs> I just want to be a little more thankful than I was yesterday. I've been texting old friends and calling old friends and just saying, hey, you, you helped us sell that house a few years ago. I just want to say thank you. This old friend, hey, you, you were willing to actually speak something into my life that I had a hard time hearing. Thank you. I just want to say thank you for that. So the first thing we learn is that apart from Jesus, we are in desperate need of mercy. Now let's continue on our text. Take a look at Luke 17, verse 14. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, 
Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Take a moment real quick and circle the word said. It's okay. I asked Pastor Bill. You can do it even if you're using the black Bibles. You just grab a pen maybe in the pew in front of you. Or in your own Bible, just circle that word said. It says here that when Jesus saw them, he spoke. He said to them. Aren't you thankful that Jesus doesn't just look at you in your situation? He engages these lepers. And he'll engage you in your situation as well. That had to have been a shock to everyone around them. So I want to tell us, we all need a word from the Lord. The second lesson we learn about authentic worship from this story is that we all need a word from the Lord. Whether we know it or not, we need a word from the Lord. I believe this is part of the reason that God's given us his word, the Bible. This is the greatest gift that God has given us. And in John 1, we see that Jesus is the word of God and that he's the word of God made flesh. The word of God is precious. It's powerful. God could have used anything to create the cosmos. This is a God of the universe. Could have done anything. Could have waved his hand like this, kicked his leg that way, shot it out like the force in Star Wars. I like to think that that was possible. Um, could have just thought it up and it would have come into existence. Why did he choose to use his word? He chose to use his word. He could have used anything. So in Genesis chapter one, this is, Literally page one of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Yeah, I was reading in the King James the other day. My wife's like, why, why did you get a King James Bible? I'm like, I've never read the King James Bible. I had to slow down so much that I was constantly going back to the Hebrew. And so I pulled this up in the Hebrew, and I was amazed when I saw it said, God said, a light, a light. I was like, babe, you wouldn't believe what this said. She's like, yeah, I've read that before. I'm like, no, God's word is so powerful. He doesn't need a let there be. It's like God's sitting there, and he's like, a light. Bam, a light shows up. I'm like, woo, I'll take that. That's, some, that's alive and powerful. That's what his word is. <laughs> so Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I mean, I don't even really know what all that means. A light. See, it don't work when it's my word. <laughs> it doesn't work when it's my word. <laughs> We'll turn the lights back on in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I mean, I really don't even know what all that means. I'm excited to research it a little bit more. But what else does that? I can just tell you, nothing else does that. And yet God has freely given us his word as a precious gift. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. John 17 tells us, as Jesus is praying for us, he actually says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Years ago, my pastor Roy, he would say, hey, I need you to remember this. Light's back on, perfect. <laughs> pastor Roy shared, he said, I need you to remember this. If you're going to teach the Bible, he said, if you want a word from the Lord, 
open it up. It's right here. There's the word of the Lord. I said, but Pastor Roy, I really want to hear God's voice. I really want to hear it audibly. He said, then read it out loud. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to do that right now. Matthew 5.13 says, you are the light of the world. See, we just got a word from the Lord. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It's simple when you think about it. But how often do we miss the gift of his word? How often do we wake up and the first thing we run to is Instagram, scrolling, see what's going on, YouTube notifications, jump into that video, some form of entertainment. Yet we have this beautiful and powerful gift. Sometimes it's laying right next there, right next to the phone. We, we grab for the phone first. But we need a word from the Lord. You know, Jesus had a word for these 10 lepers. It was, go show yourselves to the priests. It was the priests who could decide whether or not they've really been healed of leprosy or not. But they were healed before they got to the priests. But if someone else had told these guys, hey, bro, go, go show yourself to the priests, <laughs> then you're like, kind of got a problem. Priests aren't going to let me in looking like this. This is where I turn Pentecostal. I'm like, oh, but the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. This is where the organ in my mind, this is where my wife's like, don't do it. Don't. I'm like, the organ starts playing in my head, and I'm like, Believer, the word. But it's true. God's word can move that mountain. This is why we need the word of God. See, you might be in a catch-22 in your life where you're fighting depression, sadness, anxiety, addiction. I think that statistically we would all be dealing with one of those things. How do you get out of that? I remember a time in my life where I needed help and I was kind of in a catch-22, I felt like. And my friends, as kind and as generous as their word was, they just didn't have the power to solve my problem. And my family, as loving as they were, their word just couldn't move that mountain. But God's word is alive and powerful. It's more than enough. His word is more than enough. And we all need a word from the Lord. So let's recap real quick. Apart from Jesus, we are in desperate need of mercy. And we all need a word from the Lord. The third lesson we learn from the 10 lepers is that authentic worship is a result of us understanding and responding to what God has done for us in Christ. Now, that's a, that's a long one. So let's say that together. Authentic worship is a result of us understanding and responding to what God has done for us in Christ. The gospel, it demands a response. Let's look at verse 15. It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Here's a guy who had no hope, who all of a sudden had supernatural hope. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. This was the greatest gift this man could have received. Remember, he was to die and die alone. Well, falling at Jesus' feet and giving him thanks, what is that? That's worship. His response was to worship Jesus. I just, I picture him walking this way, and he's like, whoa, whoa. And then he runs to Jesus, praising God with a loud, falls at his feet, crying. Oh, I just, I just picture him walking. What is happening? I mean, the most amazing gift. 
But you know, the other nine responded. They didn't just walk away. That was a response. Walking away from God is a response. But this man, he recognized that Jesus had done something and no one else could do. Like that, this man went from hopeless to hope-filled. I told Pastor Bill the other day, this man went from hopeless to Hope Bible Church. (laughs) He went from hopeless to hope in Jesus. In a few seconds, this man goes from Jesus, Master, to Jesus, Savior. What did he do? He turned back. What is that? Repentance. He was walking this way away from Jesus, and then he turns And he praises God with a loud voice. That should be us every day when we wake up. God has done so much for us. That inspires me. I hope you don't feel judged if if that hasn't been you lately. Or maybe it's never been you. I just hope you are encouraged. Because after first service, I was talking to a friend. He said, oh, I'm the nine. And I realized, we're all the nine. But we have an opportunity today. This is the day. We have an opportunity today to be like the one. Look at the end of verse 16. It says, he was a Samaritan. I remember as I read this really slowly one day, I was like, why did he say that? Like, it must be important, but it's an interesting piece of information. But I believe it's because this man was in double jeopardy. This is us. The Samaritans were the enemies of the Jews. This is us. They built false temples. This is us. They worship false gods. This is us. We do this every day, but we have an opportunity to turn back, give God praise, and fall at Jesus' feet. Do you think that it's an accident that it says he praised God with a loud voice? Some of us need to learn to praise God with a loud voice. Some of us need to praise him with a quiet voice. Sometimes maybe I tend to be loud. But some of us need to learn to praise God with our actions. Some of us need to learn to praise God with our thoughts. And some of us, it's as practical as learning to praise God with our Google searches. Right? It can be very practical what we engage in. But is it okay to praise God with a loud voice? Not for your neighbor to hear you sing. Not for your neighbor to hear you shout. Because God is worthy of greater applause than our favorite sport, right? Our favorite activity. One of my friends said, that's a sport too. (laughs) I said, well, praise God. (laughs) This man worshiped passionately and he worshiped authentically. Question though, what did it take for this man to worship Jesus? Let me say it like this. How many songs did the band have to play before he raised his hand? How many songs did the band have to play before he ran to the feet of Jesus? Did he need a guitar? Preaching to myself now. Did he need a piano? Did he have to have on a tie and wearing his Sunday's best before he could realize what God did for him? No, that's what I love about this story. The leper, he saw and recognized what Jesus had done with no production, with no audio, with no live stream. And then he turned around, praised God with a loud voice, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, 
giving thanks. That is authentic worship. This story is God's grace toward us sinners. And the response is authentic worship. You may have heard the song. It says, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come. That's the heart of worship. Jesus is the center. Let's look at verse 17. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. See, this is a picture of salvation. Turn from the way we're going. Turn back toward the Lord. Give God thanks and praise. And Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So authentic worship is a result of us understanding and responding to what God has done for us in Christ. The fourth lesson that we learn from this story, this is the last one. True salvation takes place when we turn to Jesus in faith. Jesus says, where are the nine? The nine, they received their cleansing too. As far as we know, God didn't take it away just because they didn't give him thanks. But I wonder if they realized they were responding to Jesus, Savior, and not just Jesus, Master. The one who returned gave thanks to God, and that's an example of salvation, but the other nine had a different response. But friends, I want to encourage us today, I want to encourage myself today to be thankful. I want us to turn from our sin and praise God, but I know how easy it is to walk away with God's gift and not always give him thanks. I know how easy it is to receive a gift and maybe forget the sacrifice or the price that was paid to receive it. Amen? I think of the cross. I think of the blood that was shed. Not my son, but God's son. Let's look at Romans 8.32 real quick, if we can, Michael. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That includes cleansing from our leprosy. What are the gifts that God has given us? What are the gifts that God has given you that you need to fall on your face at the feet of Jesus? And just say thank you. And Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. See, there's a little footnote at the end of that. Another option for translating the end of verse 19 is to say, your faith has saved you. So this story of Jesus cleansing the ten lepers is a gospel story. It is the gospel. All had seen Jesus, they were there. They got the t-shirt. They were cleansed. But only one saved by faith. It wasn't the man's faith that healed him. It was his faith in responding to Jesus as Lord and Savior that saved him. These men received an incredible gift, but most of them missed the real gift, which was Jesus. But for the one who turned back, it's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of someone who's absolutely thankful for what God has done for them. And as a result of that thankfulness, worship is expressed. Authentic worship is a response to knowing who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. That is authentic worship. Authentic worship is a response to God's mercy, 
a response to God's word, a response to Jesus. What a beautiful story we see here in Luke 17 where Jesus is cleansing the lepers, reminding us that our only hope is Jesus. Amen? So the four lessons that we learn, let's review these together. Apart from Jesus, we are in desperate need of mercy. We all need a word from the Lord, and authentic worship is a result of us understanding and responding to what God has done for us in Christ. And true salvation takes place when we turn to Jesus in faith. God created us to worship. We are always worshiping. And isn't that an awesome reminder to remember to worship Jesus? Amen. It reminds me of John 4, where Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman. Let's turn to that together. If you're, it's John chapter 4, verse 23. And if you're in one of the Black Bibles, it's page 836. Jesus says to her, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. There's something that I find incredible in Jesus's words here that I missed. I didn't see it for many years. This might shock you, but God is not seeking worship. It says that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. But look at the end of verse 23. It says, the father is seeking such people to worship him. Remember, this is our God, the God of all creation, who's the same God for eternity. He does not need anything. He does not need anything. And yet he so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This awesome God whom we serve, well, in verse 23, we see that he is seeking something. Not that he needs it, but this is what he's looking for. And it's not worship. The God of all creation, the God of the universe, is seeking worshipers. True worshipers. He isn't looking for work to be done. He's looking for work. He isn't looking for accounting to be processed in your business. He's looking for accountants. He isn't looking for singers. I'm sorry, he isn't <laughs> he is looking for singers. He isn't looking for singing. He is looking for singers. He isn't looking for music. He's looking for musicians. He isn't looking for worship. He's looking for us to worship him because that's what he's created us to do. Amen. Will you worship him today? Will you worship him tomorrow? Will you turn from sin, praise him with a loud voice, fall at his feet with a thankful heart? So today, as you respond, and we're going to partake of communion in a moment, this may be a moment for you to actually stay seated and praise God with a still voice or a quiet voice. Or it may be the day where you stand and you raise your hands for the first time as a sign of surrender and maybe praise God with a loud voice. I find that at times the passion on the inside is sometimes hard to express on the outside. But there's no judgment here. We each have our own story of God's grace and mercy. And the leprosy that God is saving me from 
is a little bit different than the leprosy that he's saving you from. So our responses should look different. But as we prepare to sing, let's be reminded 1 John 1, 9 that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, would you cleanse us today? Like we see with the leper, Father, we want to respond by turning toward you, turning away from our sin. To fall at your feet, Jesus, just to say thank you. Thank you for loving us. You've given us an opportunity to love. Pray that we would love you first. We thank you in Jesus' name.